Welcome to this edition of the Golf Central Podcast presented by Callaway Golf. I'm Lav, soon to be joined by Rex and Tiger Woods. Was in Delaware for a meeting of the biggest and the best players on the PGA Tour. We'll tell you what we know and what we don't after a gathering that could help reshape the PGA Tour landscape. We'll also discuss Will Zalatoris' long-awaited victory in Memphis And we'll talk all that's on the line this week at the BMW Championship, the top seeds, the top 30, the automatic qualifiers for the President's Cup. But first, Odyssey is the number one putter on tour, and these putters continue to be the most played putters by far at the world's biggest events. In fact, Odyssey has been the number one putter at 50 straight major championships. They are the number one putter on every major tour. They have the most worldwide wins of any putter brand this year. And their newest products like White Hot OG, TriHot 5K, and the 11 are winning in their professional ranks. Now, for more on the number one putter on tour, visit odysseygolf.com and find your new putter today. Rex, this is quite a change of pace. I'm on the road, and you're not. It feels wonderful. You wanted to drive this podcast. I insisted. Actually, the people demanded that we do not that we do not change up. Uh, our respective roles on the podcast. I don't believe that's true, but all right, go ahead. People are clamoring for it. Uh, I am in Wilmington, Delaware. First visit uh, to the great state of Delaware. I believe this now means I've hit 44 uh, of the 50 states of uh, the great United States of America. Rex, have you ever have you ever been to, to Wilmington? Uh, I, I was actually. I did a lacrosse tournament last year with my middle, uh, my youngest son. It was lovely. We had a, we had a good time. The weather was very very nice. What 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 are the states you're missing? Uh, I'm missing a bunch of those, like Wyoming's, Dakotas, Montana. Although we're probably doing do a dude ranch uh, in a couple of years once my kids are old enough that I'm not just uh, spending thousands of dollars for them to not remember it. You're such a loving dad. <laughs> <laughs> is there is there anything is there anything worse than shelling out thousands of dollars for something that they're not going to remember and you're trying to make memories and you're taking pictures i mean we've we've taken cam to some pretty spectacular this is my three and a half year old some pretty spectacular places lily's 11 months uh she doesn't have a fully formed brain yet um and look they're not gonna they're not gonna remember this we can show them pictures they don't care they just want oh, to they, the- they, they just want to play at the beach one of the legendary stories in, in my family is that the t- two times that we went to Disney World, I live in Orlando, so it's I've taken my kids twice, and how miserable and I was. And you're 55 years old, and you've taken your kids who are grown. Twice. Grown, That's grown right. men. That's twice. right. Twice. And it's, we're never going back because of that reason. It's like, I'm spending too much money. You guys don't like this. It's too hot. It's too crowded. Let's go somewhere else. Like I, I, I was the worst dad ever on when I went to Disney because- any, I don't understand why people do that. I'm sorry. I know it's the happiest place on earth, but it was the it worst isn't. place. It isn't until you go there. Until you go there, it is not the happiest place. There's kids screaming. And you go there crying. in July or August in, in Orlando, and it's a million degrees, and everyone's sweaty and pale and overweight. And you're like, oh, this is awful. Folks, I lived in Orlando for 10 or 11 years. If you're going to go to Disney, do it in like January or February. It's yeah, not crowded. Lovely. It's not hot. You don't have to wait in the lines. People tend to be in a better mood. Just take our words for it. I know the kids are out of school in the summer. Do not go in the summer to Orlando. You will, you will reduce Rex's traffic. You will reduce Rex's headaches. Uh, just do it for your own sanity and Rex's. I think that's fair. I-4 is better. Since you left, they've completed I-4. I, this came up in, in a thread I was on the other day on Twitter. 
and Interstate 4, which runs right through the middle of downtown Orlando, and it's always been an awful highway. It's one that you and I both had to wrestle with during our time when the studios were here in Orlando. They have finished construction on it, and it's lovely. Oh, it, it is. It is lovely. I've actually been to Orlando two or three times in the past couple of weeks. We've had flights uh, to and from Orlando because there's more uh, direct flights out of there. And I had to, of course, check out uh, my buddy Chris Gentry's barbecue shop. Uh, if you have not seen it in your Orlando resident, uh, you need to go see it. And so, yes, I'm with you. It, the, the route actually took me through I-4. I was shocked. Normally, I'm going toll roads, going 95. Took me oh. right through downtown. It was unbelievable. Lovely. Anything going on in the world of golf this week you want to touch on? Sorry, you wanted to get to that. Uh, I'm sure, Rex, uh, that you have been itching uh, to have been up here for the BMW Championship on Tuesday, Tuesday night. No, I'm good. Uh, a three-plus-hour meeting led by Tiger Woods. 21 other players were in attendance either because of their status in the game, i.e. Ricky Fowler, or because of the world ranking. The biggest and the best, the marquee players on the PGA Tour all met for three-plus hours to certainly uh, show support for the PGA Tour uh, to brainstorm and to help map out a path forward. I've been on the grounds all day at Wilmington Country Club. I've just now returned to my hotel. And Rex, I got to be honest with you. It was an arduous task trying to get any of those 22 players who were in attendance to tell me anything, Super any secret. minute detail in regards to what went down. What we do know, 22 players, three hours, and essentially as Roy McIlroy pointed out on the record publicly in a press conference, they are trying to get players, the top players to play against each other more often. In other words, the PJ tour schedule is not as strong as it could be. If the top players are gathering only 25% of the time, we don't know what the solutions are. We don't know what the actionable steps that this group has taken, but that was the general theme <clears throat> that they were trying to unlock. And when we asked Rory uh, point blank, how do you get to that point where the top guys are playing more often? He said, quote, I don't think that's for a public forum right now. It's between the players and the executives of the PJ tour to try to sort of manage a way forward. And so thinking about this uh, being stiff armed by a number of players today, getting, a bunch of stuff off the record, uh, not for uh, public consumption. There's certainly a part, Rex, where these top players don't want to draw Tiger's ire, uh, since he, uh, by all accounts, uh, had kind of led and organized this meeting. As Rory himself said, he was the, quote, alpha in the room. There's certainly a sense, as Xander Shoffley pointed out, that if uh, a player starts blabbering to us folks in the media, that's a quick way to not get invited back to the next skull session. Uh, but I also think, as Roy pointed out, that, that these ideas aren't fully formed yet. There are bureaucratic layers that this is going to go through. I, I think the biggest takeaway, Rex, was that you had 22 marquee players on the PGA Tour, and they're all swimming in the same direction. If you step back and think about it, that's remarkable. Because these guys are inherently selfish as competitive golfers. And it is incredibly difficult to try and garner a consensus on anything when it relates to the PGA Tour. That's why you have 
the policy board. That's why you have the player advisory council, because trying to, to solicit 150 to 200 opinions uh, and boil them down into something that everyone's going to like uh, is very difficult. So that was the big takeaway uh, for me. What are, you, what are you hearing? And incredibly insular. I mean, to your point, there's a reason why guys go on the pack and don't want to go back on the pack. They realize after one stint that, yeah, I have no interest in this. Like, it's, it's not anything I can control. It's not anything that interests me. I want to move on. The fact that Tiger Woods was there is probably the most notable part of this. But you're right. You get 22 of the game's top players together, focused in on one thing, drilling down. That never happens, at least not in this day of age, day and age. And certainly it doesn't happen where we don't have any of the details. I did have one player, obviously I can't name that player, who, who did text me just one line last night. And it was big money for top guys and future guys. Commission is safe for now. So it gives you an for idea. Now. For now. That, that was a, on the back end of that, I, I, I'm sorry, Commission is safe so far. I did not read that correctly. So far. Let me so make sure far? Um, because it is telling that the commissioner was not invited to this meeting. It is telling that none of the other PGA Tour officials were invited to this. I don't meeting. think that's that does that's not surprising. This this reminds me, Rex, of when LeBron, I think it was LeBron, D Wade, maybe Carmelo, uh, they gathered during the lockdown, the NBA lockdown in 2020, to kind of put their heads together uh, and see how they were going to salvage an NBA season. Like Adam Silver wasn't invited. They didn't have exactly. Steve Kerr. They didn't have Steve Kerr come in there. It's a, it, I mean, it's a seminal moment in golf where you don't want the man who's making the decisions essentially for your organization in the room. I think that speaks volumes about the idea of player empowerment. And that's really where this is going. This conversation started last month at the JP McManus Pro-Am in Ireland, where everyone got together and JP McManus sort of started the conversation at the the post-round party where he told everyone in the room and the room included Jay Monahan and Keith Kelly from the, the DP world tour. You guys need to figure this out. Essentially that live golf is not going away that this is something that you're going to have to deal with long-term and you have to come up with a better plan than what you have out there right now. And that sparked this conversation that led to this meeting today. And my guess is there's going to be more meetings. My guess is they won't be as high profile as this one. You can pick an off week and everyone shows up at the, you know, I don't know, the Jupiter brew house, whatever it is. And you guys can sit down and talk there instead of doing it's it. Called, it's called the Woods Jupiter. That's not the Jupiter brew house. That's right. I would rather show up at the woods. I've eaten at the woods, Jupiter. I'd rather show up at the Jupiter brew house, to be honest with you. But I just think that this is going to be a move that's going to continue because we can read between the lines. I don't think we're going out on a limb by saying that what Rory was talking about today and what this player who texted me last night was talking about is some sort of form of contraction where you end up with fewer events that mean more, that are more meaningful and draw the best players more often instead of what we have now, which is, sort of a collection of events that week in and week out, you largely do not get the top fields other than, I don't know, let's call it a dozen times a year. At best, you're going to end up with what you would define as a solid field. You have to do better than that. See, that's what I find so interesting because Jay Monahan announced the 2022-2023 PGA Tour schedule with a record, I believe it's $430 million in prize money on offer. He announced that, Rex, at the Travelers Championship. That is a month before J.P. McManus, as you're reporting, stood up and said, you guys need to come up with something better, that this is not good enough. Do something else. So so they just laid out the tour schedule 
and everyone's excited and there's this, you know, the star schedule and there's these elevated events and the players are going up to 25 million and Tiger's events got a boatload of money. And yet it's still, according to JP McManus, not enough to persuade PJ tour players from not making the jump. That's what he, that's what he's saying. I mean, don't, don't pin this on JP McManus, pin this on the facts. Whatever changes they made to the schedule, and they were a step in the right direction, I would argue. Step, step in I, the right direction, but it clearly was not enough. And I think, was, I think we no, talked about it on the podcast. This is not a J.P. McManus idea. You and I have talked about this ad nauseum, that they need, yeah. to, they need to show some sort of reinvention as opposed to just throwing more money at it. Because they can't do it. I mean, Monaghan has said this in public, where if this is a war that's only fought with dollars, it's not a war they can win. They need to be more creative. They need to think outside the box and they need to realize that it's the stars that count. And I've always been the other guy. I've always been the rank and file guy. I've always been the one that argues it's right there in the tour charter that this is about creating playing opportunities. I don't think that matters anymore, or at least the it mandate, shouldn't. The mandate needs to change because it, you're not going to be able to compete with what's going on right now if you continue to cater to that bottom third of the PGA Tour. And that's what the tour has done for a very long time. And I've always been a proponent of that because I felt like that was what was best for professional golf. Now, given the threat where we are, because to your point, you're right. They rolled out this new schedule and all of these new ideas and all of this free money and all these new events. And yet they're still slipping away one by one to live golf. Like at this point, it feels like it's just a matter of time before the next shoe drops. And that's probably going to come after Eastlake, right? So there's going to be a new slate of players who announced they're going to live golf at some point. You need to realize that this isn't stopping anytime soon. And clearly those players who are defecting to live golf would not have been in that room on Tuesday night. And it was there a couple, group, what I'm told. I'm sure you heard the same thing. Yeah. There was a select group and ESPN reported that, that Cameron Young uh, and Joaquin Neiman, both of whom have been linked to live golf were in that meeting of a select 22 players on Tuesday night. That would certainly signal not just to Tiger, but to the other marquee names of the PGA Tour that, hey, we're all in this together. Hands in, you know, go go tour. And like, let's map out a path forward. And I think uh, that is that is very important. Rex, you and I have talked about it on this podcast. We know what the PGA Tour should look like. That you have, I would say, a shorter schedule. You have a list of 15 to 20 elevated slash marquee slash invitational type tournaments throughout the year. And then you sprinkle in, I think the rest of the PJ tour schedule that, that does, as you uh, said, is in the original mission of providing playing opportunities. I don't know how you get to that point. There are smarter people. There are smarter players. There are certainly smarter PJ tour executives who can help winnow down what to me is an oversaturated uh, PJ tour schedule. I believe it's 47 events. Uh, that were part of this 2021-22 PJ Tour season. That's that's too many. It's it's too much for golf fans to focus on. I think the FedEx Cup playoffs, although you know it's it's given us some good finishes in the past. It, well, the play, players players are still not enamored with this idea. So I'm glad that the top 20 or whatever players are gathering and and putting their heads together to create the best possible product. And I think that involves blowing up the model that has become so familiar to golf fans. Well, and if you look at this from the 30,000 foot realm, you're right. 47 events is far too many. I think we've argued that now for the better part 
of a decade because you don't have the opportunity to miss golf. Like that's a whole different conversation. I think as applies to what's going on right now as a direct response to live golf, imagine a world where, as you pointed out, there's let's, let's say 15 marquee events that the tour focuses on, puts all its resources into, and then you're going to add four majors onto that. That's about it for top players. All right. Somewhere around 19, 20 events is going to be it based on historically what we've seen top players play. Now, all of a sudden, and the argument has always been on the other side, and I've made this argument, that why would the tour not hold an event in November if there's a sponsor? If RSM is willing to pay the money, why in the world would a business turn down a business opportunity? But the tour is going to have to to uproot that model. Because at that point, are we creating opportunities for Live Golf to find a way to coexist? Because that's where this conversation is going. And I don't know the answer to that. To your point, like I don't know what the end game looks like. I texted another player last night exactly that please tell me what the end game looks like and i i still don't think anyone has a very good grasp on it because i don't know if if what we're doing right now is it just to come up with a better model to fight live golf or is it a way to to come up with a way to see if live golf can live within our ecosystem right because that's nailed it nailed it did not say did not say ecosystem ecosystem Is that what we're trying to do here? I, I don't know the answer to that because that is an entirely different conversation. And I don't think the tour certainly has any interest in that at that point. But if these top players, if these 22 names who have all the influence in the world and in the age of player empowerment can effectively tell Jay Monahan and the rest of the PGA Tour, we're going to go in this direction, that's going to create an interesting dynamic. I think, Rex, there's, there's a sense of urgency. And so... Like I posed the question to to Roy today, like were there actionable steps that were taken today or excuse me on, on Tuesday night? Like, is this ready to progress down the line? And uh, of course he kind of not answered it in terms of saying, that's what we're, that's what we're kind of figuring out the short term, the medium term. And then there definitely is like a, a long-term vision for what the PJ tour uh, could and should look like like Will Zalatoris who just turned 26 on Tuesday was talking about leaving the tour in a, in a better position for his kids if they want to play professional golf like they're looking 20 30 years down the road but there is a sense of emergency or urgency to implement change like yesterday because as, as you mentioned there are going to be more defections after the tour championship, which is next week, there are uh, expected to be more defections after the president's cup, which is in late September. There is a slow trickle of guys. And this is how the, the live model has done it to kind of simulate the idea that there is momentum building, whether or not those are names uh, that are actually eyebrow, eyebrow raising um, or will generate any interest uh, is certainly up for discussion. If Cameron Smith, the world number two leaves, uh, that is certainly uh, a, a game changer in that regard, but you, it, it needs to be combated now. It, this isn't this isn't something that can take effect when it moves to a calendar year schedule in 2024. Like this is something that needs to be changed on the fly. Do you do you disagree? Uh, pulling back the curtain, so and, and you ex- probably experienced this over the last 24 hours as well. I had bosses who wanted to know last night should should they keep the crew in place. 
will there be some sort of announcement? Will there be some sort of action item coming out of this meeting? And I was like, no, that's not the way this is going to work. This isn't a policy board meeting where the doors are going to open up and Jay Monahan's going to announce that we're going to do X, Y, Z starting next week. That That's not going to happen. However, to your point, and I've been told that this is kind of sort of re- trying to reimagine what the tour would look like in 2024 and beyond, but you're right. There's an immediacy here. There, you have to start playing defense a little bit better than what we've been playing defense in this particular case. Not just defense, play offense. Give give guys a reason to stay on the PGA Tour. If you're not into the history and the legacy that, that JT, uh, I believe, has has correctly been, been preaching, and that's certainly... Uh, kind of the the tiger model as well. Like you need to make, you need to make it for uh, a Joaquin Neiman, a, a a Cameron Young. Now Will Zalatoris is firmly pro PJ Tour uh, as well, but but guys in that age range, like it needs to be enticing. They need to understand not just what it's going to look like in twenty twenty three, but I need to know what this is going to look like in twenty twenty five, and twenty twenty eight, and twenty thirty one because they're going to have those long careers on the PJ tour, they need to, to be able to weigh the pros and cons of making that decision, as opposed to just having ideas. It, like these need to be implementation dates in order to make sure that everyone uh, has the full support uh, and is, and is, is kind of blazing that same path forward together. I, I don't disagree with you at all. I guess my point is I, I still don't have a really good grasp of where we're going. I like, like, I get the idea. Neither do I, I have no idea what that's the thing, what it looks like. Right. Like I get the idea of, all right, the top players want to play together more. Totally understand that. I get that. What does that mean? Like draw that, write that down on a, on a napkin. So I can see exactly what we're looking at here. Cause I guess if we're going to try to reimagine the tour and I guess this goes to the fundamental idea of, okay, we are a member organization, but we need to cater the stars. They're the ones that matter. They're the ones that we're losing at an alarming rate, and we need to make sure they don't walk away. I, I understand all of these concepts. I'm just not smart enough. And, and to be honest with you, I, I've thrown this question out to people who are, I feel like, like people in the game who I respect, and no one seems to have an answer. So I'm fascinated what was on that big board in that room last night. Like, who's at the, who's at the front of the room and jotting down ideas and bullet points? Like, who's taking notes in this meeting? There's a lot of things hmm. that I would like would- to see. Who would take? Who would take uh, note? I, I feel like Kyle Morikawa would, would be, would be tasked with like the note keeping. Like Cal Brad, super Cal smart, Cal. quiet. Yeah. He he told me he told me on Tuesday afternoon like he's more of a listener as opposed to a, a forceful um, opinion giver. Opinion giver uh, is, that, is that an actual phrase? Opinion giver. Yeah, maybe. Hmm. I think it might be hyphenated. I sure. That up. I can see. Sure. Uh, I will say this, that there was one name that kind of stood out. You mentioned it, Cameron Young. And, and he has sort of been put in that mix that, oh, he may go, he may not go. And I, I found it fascinating last week in Memphis. I was, I was working on a story that, that I'll probably end up writing early next week. And the, the premise is Ooh, what the, players, the players will have to vote on player of the year and rookie of the year before we know if Cam Smith or Cam Young go to live golf which creates an interesting dynamic that let's say Cam Young, I mean, Cam Smith wins next week. Now all of a sudden there is a conversation between he and Scotty Scheffler. Would it impact your vote? And I got some interesting answers. You're going to have to read the story at golfchannel.com. I'll let you guys know whenever I get it done, get around to it. However, one of the players I interviewed actually texted me back immediately after we had interviewed and said, just so you know, Cam's not going to live golf. 
Apparently he sat down and had a long conversation with one of the game's top players. And they came to an understanding that this is not going to happen. And I guess my point is, is in that he just wants to have the conversation with Live Golf and see what was on the horizon. So it, it just struck me as the people who were invited that meeting last night, and you're, you're right, I, I think Colin Morikawa was probably the guy taking the notes, and Tiger Woods is running the show. But, like, what is Cameron Young's role in that room? Is he just sitting in the back hoping no one notices him? Is that what's happening? I think there's a lot of listeners. There's a lot and of I think I think there's a lot of listeners, and I think what I would say Rory, Tiger, JT – I think that's probably the the leading wave, right? Maybe even Zalatoris. Like they want the young guys to see the vision and to buy in. Hey, did like, you see my interview with Will Zalatoris on Sunday after he won the playoff? Uh, you got him to cry, didn't you? Suck it, Burko. That's right. That's uh, right. He cried. Bur- yeah, but Burko, Burko's got the USAM this week. You know. You know come uh, Sunday. You know, oh, yeah. come Sunday, it doesn't matter. It, it could be the tournament favorite who goes on to win. You know, Burko <laughs> is going to be milking him, trying to get just a single, just just shedding a single tear. Give me a tear. Just give me something. It's what he feeds on. Yeah, he's an emotional just monster. He just has to eat it. Uh, I have to admit to you, though, it, in, in the context of when I did that interview, and, and it was on the third playoff hole, and it was kind of we had to run to get there, and there was a lot going on. And I asked him a very simple question, like, you, you've been so close so many times. Give me your emotions. And uh, he, he kind of breaks down. I wasn't exactly sure what I should do in that moment because I'd never. You don't say anything. You don't say anything. And I didn't say anything at all. I just let it hang out there like, OK, we're going to get in a staring contest. And I actually you feel bad for another human being. I mean, you want to reach out and you want to try to comfort them because as, as a human being, I feel like that's what we all want to do. But I realized that the job required me just to be quiet and let this play out. Yes. Which is further proof that we are not actual human beings. But you're, you're exactly right. What you do in that situation, the natural inclination is to say, oh, it's man, okay. it's, uh, sorry about it. It's, a, it's okay. Sorry, it's sorry it. about that. I didn't, 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 didn't mean to go there. No, Give him a you, hug, sit there, him on the you sit there, you sit there and you watch him cry. And really, you start smiling because you say, you know what? This is going to lead the show. That's right. And people are people are going to remember this as a very memorable interview that I there did. There's, there's, a, there's an immense sense of pride. Uh, it, it, there really was. And, and I felt I was so happy for Will because, I mean, it, it as, many, as many times as he came close, um, I, I felt like it was inevitable. But every time I say something like that, I'm always kind of reminded of what Butch Hartman told me once about Ricky Fowler. And I felt like Ricky <laughs> had put himself in contention a couple of times in the majors. And it was like Saturday afternoon at the Open Championship, whatever the case may be. And I told Butch, I'm like, oh, he's going to get it done this time. And I remember Butch just looking at me and he goes, not until he gets it done. Like he understood better than I did in that moment that no, like this game narrator, was- narrator Ricky never got it done in the yeah. major championships. Although, although no, we were I was happy, for him, but I, I was more happy for me getting my moment. Uh, we're certainly going to circle back to, to Will's outdoors because that was, uh, I think, a, a very important victory, not just for Will, but I think for the PJ Tour. Can we circle back to something that you said that Cameron Smith might not be going to live because the conspiracy theorist Rex? No, Cameron are- Young. Not going oh. to live golf. Oh, then, oh yeah. Yes. No, I thought yes. you said Cameron Smith. No, no, no. Cameron. You yes. said you can't. Oh. I was asking. I think you. I think you I got think it confused. We're good, folks. I think we're going to have to. We're going to have to rely on our editing team on that one. Clean that up. No, Cameron Young. I, I've been told is not going to live. Cameron Smith is still very much a mystery because he won't address it. We've asked him numerous times, and you know, 
He just won't say anything. Uh, he certainly won't. And the conspiracy theories, as I was getting to, are certainly out uh, in full force. You had the penalty, as you first reported. Uh, well done to you, Rex. Uh, I'm not sure if you heard that there was a penalty uh, on Sunday, but there was. Uh, Cameron Smith was docked two shots. Everyone thought that that was because uh, nearly 24 hours later, oh, let's let's slap the guy who's on his on his way out the door with a two-shot penalty. Uh, nope, the, the rules uh, of golf were to be followed, and Cameron Smith broke a rule. And then a day later, Rex, lingering hip discomfort uh, was the reason that Cameron Smith, number three in the FedEx Cup standings, uh, withdrew from the BMW Championship. Uh, according to some of the Australian golf writers, uh, Ben Everill, Evan Priest, including, uh, yeah, so Evan uh, talked to Cameron on Monday. Sounds like the hip injury is legit, has been affecting him for the past couple of months, although clearly not too bad since he uh, shot a record score uh, at St. Andrews as well as one, uh, two other times on the PGA Tour this season, but that he'd kind of been eyeing the BMW as the tournament that he would shut it down for if he needed to miss one at all. Apparently the soft fairways at TPC Southwind uh, flared up his issue. You think anything's fishy there, or do you think he's genuinely uh, rehabilitating for one final crack of the FedEx Cup? I don't know why he would miss this week, other than having to answer more questions, and he seemed pretty savvy at that. Like he, he did but like you can, good- you can, you can shut that down. Like you don't have to give. Like your your manager can put a kibosh on pre tournament. Um, his manager pretty good. Interviews. About that. Yeah. His, his, uh, his, like you don't. I don't think he talked last week. After any tournament rounds he didn't on Sunday. Oh, that's um, not. He talked after. Uh, well, I, I interviewed him on Friday. So, and then I know Nick Doherty interviewed him for Sky Sports on Thursday, and that led to some some comments that I think actually were misinterpreted. If I'm being honest with you, I think what he said was ready to cop some heat. He said ready to cop some heat. I, I and I think everyone interpreted that, and, and I circled back around and asked Nick about this, and, and he agreed. I think this has more to do with. He's copping some cop. heat for some no comment as opposed exactly. to copping some heat for his for future decisions golf, or maybe not, maybe going to live golf, maybe not going to live golf, but uh, no. And he also spoke after Saturday's round. So yeah, only Sunday did he decline to comment. And, and I'll say this, and I, I've been really clear on this. I, I think you and I, you'll, you'll attest to this, that I, there is no ambiguity here whatsoever. I do not engage with people on Twitter because I, I don't feel like I need to. You and can't, you can't, you can't win. You can't win, and I don't want to. And it, I, look, you can have your opinion. That's fine. I, I'm not big on blocking people either. It, it, just don't make it personal, and I'm just going to leave it out there. I'm not here to debate you. I'm, I'm going to give you the news that I have, and then we're going to leave it at that. However, in the wake of that story on Sunday, I was taken by how much misinformation, just outright incorrect information, was on Twitter as far as how this works out. Misinformation on Twitter? I know. I know. It's shocking. Right. And so I, I did the thing that I always kind of lecture you and some other golf writers about, about not engaging. And, but I didn't do it on Twitter. See, this is where I feel like I took the high road instead of engaging them on Twitter. I took their tweets and did a column about it on Sunday and sort of just spelling the myth. I mean, one of them was, well, there's a walking rules official with every group. How come they didn't step in? Incorrect. There is not a walking rules official with every group walking on the beach. Rules official with every group. I know. Why do you think it's they ridiculous. have to call for rulings and it takes 10 minutes and the, that group gets out of position and it's a whole kerfuffle? Exactly. And, and I, I could go through each one of these things that were just patently untrue and false. And I talked to Gary Young, the rules official, who actually talked to Cam Smith 
on Sunday morning, and he made it really clear that when he went, went up to ask him, hey, we saw this on the video. I just want to confirm it to you. It looks like it, it was on the line. Was it on the line? And without pausing, Cam goes, it was definitely on the line. And at that point, you can get mad at the PGA Tour and you can scream conspiracy theory all you want. It's a rules of golf issue. Like, Dude, it's everyone, his- everyone knows that rule. Like, it was shocking. Everyone knows that rule. Know that. Even, even I know that rule. And Ryan Palmer, who was playing with Cam that day, even kind of walked up and Cam's like, do you know what I do here? And Ryan wasn't even sure. And he goes, you, should, you know, want to call a rules official. And he chose not to. Had he called a rules official, this would have been fine. And so I guess my point is, before you jump to conclusions, and I know this looked fishy, and I joked with, with Gary Young afterwards, like, what does it feel like to break the internet? Because you certainly felt like, oh, this isn't going to land well. Like, this is going to land so poorly in the social media world. And I don't have a problem with that. You can have your conspiracy theories. Just, just get the facts right. That's all I'm asking. How about the tournament winner? Uh, you made him cry on yeah. Sunday. That was one of the most bizarre. Big fan of Will Zellis. Uh, who isn't? I've been covering Willie for a a long time. Like, what are they going in, to now? Apparently, he felt like there were some critics out there. Uh, so I asked him about that. At first, I asked if Steph got if Steph got in touch with him. If you if you'd missed it, uh, as Will Zalatoris was pouring in, he had not yet made it. As he was pouring in his putt on the seventy second hole uh, that would uh, force a playoff uh, with Steph Strzok, that he went on to win. He screamed, "What are they going to say now?" It was an incredible shot to me at his haters, his detractors, uh, people who have people people like these lowly golf writers who have been criticizing him. Maybe the people on Twitter on or on Instagram who uh, don't like his wobbly putting stroke uh, from short range. It was a nod, he said, to Steph Curry, uh, one of his. Uh, sporting heroes who, while soaked in champagne after yet another Golden State Warriors NBA title, uh, said, "What are they going to say now?" As if anyone had actually doubted Steph Curry uh, exactly. and the Warriors to win, to win their fourth title in in seven years. Look, it certainly feels like a straw man argument, or like you're like you're you're, you're putting these mythical chips on your shoulder. Uh, I but it, he did say when I asked him about it today, like, look, I'm not I'm not immune to the criticism, like. I know what people were saying. I know my, my putting stroke inside five feet uh, is, is not for the faint of heart. He's like, but I'm, I'm working at it. And like some of that criticism is warranted. I totally understand it. I was not, however, talking to Rex and Lav and all these other golf writers who have been criticizing me over the years as I've come oh so close to winning tournaments. He said, that is just how I fuel my internal fire and, and how I kind of get myself up for those moments. He said it was not, it was not, it was not a direct shot at someone or some comment that he had read. It was just kind of like how he, how he gets himself up, which is how, which is like why I love Will Zalatoris. He, it, to me, he's in like that JT Spieth. Um, I'm trying to think of guy like Rom, like guys who, absolutely do not care about money, even though they are set up generationally uh, wealthy. They just care about collecting pelts. They don't care how they get it. They don't care where they get it. They just want it. He is very much cut out of that same mold and why I think he's such a welcome addition now uh, to the list of PGA Tour winners. I love the fact you brought up JT because I immediately 
thought about when I saw that was JT's comments from the President's Cup, where he he also echoed, I believe it was with Steph Curry line, where I love me some me. Is that yeah. not a Steph Curry line? Wow. Uh, like- no, that is a I love me some me. Uh, keep keep talking. I'm going to look it up. All right. So, and I immediately thought about that, but it it, it is an interesting study that in JT's Tony case, Braxton, I, Tony Braxton. No, oh, oh, uh, no it's no, Ter- no. it's it's Tio Terrell Owens. Yeah. yeah, you're right. So I love me some me, and it was at the President's Cup, and he's paired with Tiger Woods, and it was just a total flex moment. Like, I mean, I think you and I both were like blown away by it. Like, that's that's pretty in cool. the heat of the moment. In the heat of yes. the moment, how do you do that? It's Tiger Woods, and you you make a big fu- putt in front of that guy, and your reaction was to scream at the top of your lungs, "I love me some me." Like that's the best flex ever of this generation. I don't know how you beat that, but there is an interesting study between that, which is JT. And, and we both spent enough time around JT to know that there is no lack of confidence and he's not going to question himself. He's not going to second guess himself. And Will Zalator is going with, what are they going to talk about now? Because like that's the, putt, a- the putt, the putt had not even dropped it. How do you think of that? It was like a 14 foot putt. How do you summon those words, that thought, that like, Internal and vitriol. And again on the first playoff hole. I mean, I was just blown away by this guy who, who, who trust me, I, I can sit here and we can look at that putting stroke and you can question it and you can think, yeah, that's not the one I want on a Sunday with a major on a line. And yet he did it not once, not twice, but three times with a title on the line. Like I, I'll give him 100% credit. I do question the mentality though. Like I, I don't know why it's, it's sort of the Michael Jordan thing where he had to be fueled by sort of the negativity in the world. And that brought the best out on him. Whereas in JT's case, it's like, he's indifferent to everything else. It's I love me some me. I mean, whatever, however you need to, to get up for the moment, as long as, as long as you get up for the moment, as long as you get up for the moment. Yeah. I'm with you on that. I I just find it a fascinating case study. I I think it was such a cathartic victory too, Rex for, for Will Zalatoris. He had eight top tens this season prior to that victory. No player, on the PJ tour had more top tens without a victory. I believe he had earned the most money all time in a season without winning. Obviously we've gone through some of the major championships. I think the 2021 masters is kind of like the Wikipedia major where it looks like he had an opportunity to win that, that tournament. He didn't really like Hideki started giving away shots down the stretch when it became clear uh, that, that he was going to win that tournament. But as Will Zalatoris has correctly pointed out, he is mere inches from winning multiple major championships, a U.S. Open, I think, sure, like a, a U.S. Open, uh, certainly that would have uh, forced a playoff with with Matt Fitzpatrick. You think about the PGA Championship, where once again, Will Zalatoris, who is criticized endlessly for his putting, made back to back clutch putts on the seventy first and seventy second holes of that tournament uh, to get in the playoff with the aforementioned. Uh, Justin Thomas. And so this was a long time coming, certainly, even though this is a guy who was just in his second full season on the PGA tour. Uh, He has all of the skills that you look for in a guy who could be a potential number one player in the world and a player who is not just going to, to get hot and then, and then fade. I I mean, he has plenty of length, even uh, he is very slight of build. He is an incredible iron player, the best iron player on the PGA tour this season and folks I, I hate to break it to you he is an average putter on the pga tour he is gaining strokes per round on the pga tour on the greens i know that debunks 
some of the theories that you've seen on Twitter where you wouldn't trust him with your life if he had a seven-foot putt. But he is an average putter on the PGA Tour. And in the majors, where lag putting is incredibly important, where imagination, creativity, feel on some of the big sloping greens that you see in the major championships, he has been exceptional, a top 25 putter when it comes uh, to the major championship. So I was thrilled for Will. Uh, I was certainly thrilled for uh, the PGA Tour because this is a player who just turned 26. Um, And it wouldn't surprise me, Rex, I'm not sure how you feel about this, if he kind of mirrored what Scotty Scheffler did earlier this year where, you know, the the critique of of Scotty Scheffler, right? Like he he didn't close out a couple of tournaments uh, in the fall. He was the best, uh, he was the highest ranked player in the world without a victory. And then he rips off one and then he rips off four uh, overall titles in, in quick, quick succession. It would not surprise me if Will Zalatoris kind of mirrors that because it fe- feels like the lid is off. And I think Tony Fino. We're going to that Tony category. Fino, certainly right now, yeah. And I'll go back to the U.S. Open. I mean, the column I wrote on Sunday night was sort of how a loss that Will suffered, how that lands. And I, I was taken by the idea that, look, there, there was regret and, and there was hurt and everything that goes into, man, I was so close to winning a major championship – but there was no disillusionment. He did not walk away from that. I felt like he did not walk away from that with the idea that, man, am I ever going to get this done? The idea was he was not, he was, he was disappointed, but he wasn't discouraged. Well, he wasn't destroyed. I think sometimes you can get, put yourself in that situation and you can walk away pulling more from the negativity than you do from the, just the positive fact that, look, you had an opportunity to win a major championship and Tiger Woods of all people will tell you that's, that's all you can really do. All you can do is give yourself a chance on Sunday and then kind of it's up to the golf gods at that point, because you're going to get some bounces. You're going to make some putts. You're not going to make some putts, but he has done that on a regular basis. And like looking forward to next year's major championships, you have to put him in that category of those top five, 10 guys that we're going to talk about. Oh, he's, he's like in that ROM category. Like you don't, yeah. like you don't really have a weakness. He, he put his game travels everywhere. Like there's not a, a certain major that you think he would fare better. Like, he should play well in all of them because he's shown uh, in a very limited uh, with a very limited track record uh, that, that he can uh, compete in all those major championships. I'm not sure how it's going to sit with others, particularly on the PGA tour. But Will Zalatoris now Rex is number one in the FedEx cup standings. If he maintains his position, uh, number one through the BMW championship. And then of course he'll start. Uh, he would start with a two shot lead at the tour championship. If he goes on, he would uh, win the $18 million first place prize. You okay, Rex, with a guy who has a single win, be it in the playoffs, uh, among nine top tens, now leading the points race over four-time winner and major champion Scotty Scheffler and three-time winner and major champion and players champion Cameron Smith, who is currently in the third spot, but will slip since he's not playing this week. Absolutely. Like, we, we've done this enough. Like, look, and they, they tinker with the playoff points, and we tried to come up with a way. I thought it was great. I, it, we were talking to Lucas Glover on Sunday last week. and Of course you were. He, and he said that it, this has happened to him before, where he's only in the playoffs because of the live golf players. I think he finished 133rd, actually, on the FedEx Cup points list, but on the eligibility list that removes them, he actually got into the playoffs. And now he's played his way into the second tour event. And he goes, I've done this before. I had a good week and a half back in, I think it was 2018. And he made it all the way to Eastlake. And that's kind of the point where you can have a good week and a half, two weeks, 
and you can win the FedEx Cup title. I mean, that's really what this is designed to do. And I know next week you and I will both be in Atlanta and we're going to have good fun with the strokes-based scoring and how confusing it is and how it's hard to wrap your mind around. However, I'm good with it because of all the things they've tried to come up with, this one's probably not the best, but it's an option. It's, it's, that's, that's a great way to put That's a great way to put it. It's probably, it's, it's probably not the West. It's probably not the best. And it's, it's certainly not the worst. Like I think it was really confusing when you had the points and you have Steve Sands and you had the whiteboard and no one really knew even those players who were coming down the stretch at East Lake, they had no idea. Dogs on Sands. He crushed that. He was like, he was the man who epitomized the era. Like he, he absolutely killed that role. But the fact that you needed to get Steve Sands in a whiteboard doing math, doing math. Uh, on live, on on live, live television. Can you My think of God. anything that's worse? I can't think of anything worse. I mean, I'm petrified by going on TV anyway, but <laughs> having to do math, my God, uh, that is absolutely uh, nightmare fuel. I, I did find it interesting, Rex, as these players came into the uh, to do their press conference this week. And, you know, it's usual BMW questions. And you ask them, you know, what do you think of the playoffs? The tour has it right. And uh, John Rom called it ludicrous. Um, Patrick Cantlay called it odd and Matt Fitzpatrick called it strange. Uh, I, I think Cantlay said it best is that it's, it's hard to do playoffs in golf. I actually would not have, this was a, an idea that I haven't fully formed and I, and I may just uh, do so on the podcast. Yeah. I have no problem calling the regular season champion, the FedEx cup champion. In other words, Scotty Scheffler led the points race uh, significantly, I, I might add, uh, by about 1,000 points. He was, uh, with, without a doubt, the best player on the PJ Tour this season. I have no problem, after the Wyndham Championship, crowning him the FedEx Cup champion and then have this $75 million free-for-all. It, it opens itself up for different formats, uh, different strategies i mean you could do a team component you could do whatever you want like the possibilities are endless but the tour keeps getting itself in this pickle because the fedex cup champion is supposed to be the best player all season long and uh, well uh, over the past couple of years that hasn't been the case i i would have made the case certainly that john rom was the best player on the pga tour last season and yeah patrick cantley won the FedEx Cup. You think back to 2019, Roy McIlroy won the FedEx Cup. I think a lot of people thought, uh, myself included, that Brooks Kepka was the best player during that year. They, they still haven't, it, it's, it's not going to be a foolproof system unless you crown just the regular season winner and have these three quote unquote playoff events kind of represent something entirely different. I keep going back to the same argument I've made. And this has been so confusing for so many years. We're, we're, we're having good fun with Steve Sands and the whiteboard. And it, it's always been difficult for the fan to wrap their mind around this because golf cannot do and, and is not adapt to a playoff. Like that, it was always from the start going to be a bad concept. There was a better way of doing this. Maybe we should have called it a series. I don't know. But if we're going to stick with this, my argument has always been that regardless of whatever argument you're going to make against it, that the top players are playing meaningful golf during a time of year when they have traditionally not done that. So I've always leaned into the idea that I'm okay with whatever, whatever system we have going now. And I'm not saying it can't be improved by all means. Like if you I feel think, like, I think the seven, I think the 70, 70, 50, 30, that what the Comcast business 
ranking is all about? Like, isn't that the regular season champion? I mean, don't we sort of have that on some level? It is, but like, I, I, I believe that that player should be the player of the year. Like, if you think about the NFL, right? The voting for NFL MVP ends at the end of the regular season. It doesn't stretch into postseason play. Like, it is a regular season award. The NFL MVP, as last year was Aaron Rodgers, was voted on and announced before the Super Bowl was played. It is a regular season award. And so if the PJ Tour wants to name a FedEx Cup champion as the best player all season long, it is a no-brainer to me to name that Comcast business top 10 number one player, but he's also the FedEx Cup champion. Like I made in, on, on, Scott, on, Scott, on Scotty on Scotty Scheffler's Wikipedia page, it doesn't say he finished number one in the Comcast business top ten. It would say though he won the FedEx Cup in twenty twenty two, would it not? I made it to the commissary and I had the combo platter and Uncle Lou's, and you're still disappointed with my food choices last week, aren't you? Uh, I am because because where'd you eat on Sunday? Uh, you misplayed it, Rex. You misplayed it. Any barbecue joint worth its salt. San Francisco back on Tuesday night. So I'm not going in anywhere Tuesday night or Wednesday night because I'm kind of wore out. So I only had a finite number of nights. Wore out? You're, you're, going, you're going forward in time. It's not, it's not time travel. It's, you're, just, you're just leaping. I believe, on it, was a only, it was only two time zones. I mean, have you ever been on a red? No, because I flew to Atlanta and then back. Like, let's, let's acknowledge know, this. And do you want to know something that would put you right to sleep and you wouldn't have to worry about taking melatonin or any other of those, those, those pill-popping uh, techniques that you have? A, uh, you, you would have a combo platter of ribs, brisket, pulled pork, and two IPAs. You, you would not need any of your pills, I promise. That is the best I thing mean, that you could do off a of red eye. I made two trips to the commissary, if I'm being honest, and it was delightful. So good. Uh, you, sh- you definitely oh, like that's probably would be my number one choice. The fact that you didn't hit the barbecue shop uh, with the barbecue spaghetti. It was like a 30 uh, minute is criminal. Away. I didn't want to do that. It was a, it was it's worth week. it. It's worth um, it. You didn't go to uh, you didn't go to Gus's. Uh, uh, I've been to Gus's before. Else? Lou's else, was very a little shady, by the way, a little shady. I didn't feel entirely comfortable there. I'm sure the Memphisonians do not take uh, offense to that uh, whatsoever. You didn't go to Cozy Corner, who our boy Stuart Sink, barbecue aficionado. Uh, Cozy Corner was again 30 best, minutes away. That's the best. Those are the best ribs in Memphis. And you neglected it because you went twice to the same joint and ordered the same thing. You ordered the same thing at the same joint. That's cool. Dude, I got the pulled pork sandwich the first night. Yeah, along with the ribs. Oh, wow. You got pulled pork, something that you could have made yourself. Wow. Uh, well done. You could have just smoked it. A, you could have just smoked a ten dollar pork butt and had a barbecue uh, pulled pork sandwich. It was divine, and I loved it. And the commissary is so good. And I'm sure there's other really really good places. By the way, Uncle Lou's so good. You know what you don't want to do with Uncle Lou's? Don't get the hot. Like the hot just it, it's too hot. lights you up. Lights you up. It lights you up. And I got the medium, and I was so happy. And then uh, I got I got I got medium. Uh, I might have to put Memphis back on my schedule next year. Where's the, where's the BMW next year? Is it, is it going back to Caves Valley or is that 2025? Uh, I think that's 25. I don't know where it is next year. Aronimink maybe? I feel like it might be. Aronimink. I want to do, so 2025, that'll be the Orioles will be, you know, closing in. On a Wait, no, next year, next year is Colorado, I believe. Is it Castle Pines? What are you, Bigfooting me on that one? That's what happened? 
Uh, I mean, I always go to the BMW Championship. I did a little thing for the cut on the PJ Tour. You can watch it next week uh, live on Golf Channel. And I described the BMW Championship. I said it's one of my favorite tournaments all year to cover because it's like the ADD tournament. There is so much Ooh. going on. Yeah, that's, probably gonna that. get, that's probably going to get edited out. But you have uh, the guys who are certainly like, like Zal Torres and Scotty and Sam Burns who are vying for like the top of the – of the standings to try and get the little bit of advantage that they would face at East Lake. You have the top 30, which would be kind of a, a, a career changer for, for guys like Maverick McNeely, Denny McCarthy, guys who have kind of been on the cusp of the breakthrough and haven't quite pushed over the edge. It'd be kind of affirmation validation for guys like Saif Tagala and Davis Riley. So you have certainly that um, potential to top 30 and those guys getting in three of the four majors next year. But Rex, you also have this qualifying cutoff, for the President's Cup, a tournament uh, that has been pushed on the back burner, which is a, a shame. You and I love uh, covering uh, the team competitions each and every year. But this is the cutoff point uh, for both the U.S. and the international team. The international team is is very much in flux, uh, to put it to put it lightly. <laughs> it is an absolute nightmare. I think if the, if the, if it if it ended right now and everyone was committed to the tournament to be played in late September. I think uh, the internationals would have a very plucky squad. If there are some high profile defections, <laughs> that's the most offensive thing. <laughs> it's a plucky squad. Yeah. They're like, they're going to be a significant underdog. Is plucky but... a good way to, to, to be referred to plucky? Yes, absolutely. They're feisty. They're gritty. They're determined. Uh, they're not, a, they're, they're unafraid of being the underdog. I think that's a great way to describe what the international squad would be. However, if they have some of the high profile defections as have been rumored, Whew. Uh, Whew. this this thing uh, unfortunately could be uh, over on Saturday. When you look at that uh, U.S. President's Cup team, to me, Rex, it would not surprise me at all if it becomes a situation where Davis Love the Third just goes down and picks one through twelve. Right the now, top. those names. Right like now, I'm, I'm looking... Young is twelve. Billy Horstel's eleven. Max Homa's ten. Colin Morikawa is nine. Like just just go with those. That you, and, you're not going to go wrong. Guys. And, and, and Jordan Spieth and Will Zalatoris uh, right now would need captain's picks. Davis Love only has six uh, automatic selections. Like, I'm not sure who else you could even make a case for. Like, my boy JT Poston is 14th. If he wins this week, I, you know, he would certainly uh, I mean, climb in the, climb in the standings. That one's kind of tough. Uh, I, I, think, I, think the, I think the only player who he's, who he's really intrigued by, and you would know better being the Davis Whisperer, uh, Sahith Thagala. Uh, he loves had, Sahith. He's had he's had a great rookie season. Could have won in Phoenix. Uh, he could have won at the Travelers Championship. He he played well uh, through a couple rounds last week uh, in Memphis. If he wins this week, if he pulls his Al Torres and kind of uh, ends his streak of, of getting so close, wouldn't su- I wouldn't be totally surprised if he kind of swaps out Billy. For Asahith. Other other than that, though, I don't see any. I really don't foresee any scenario in which he doesn't just go one through twelve. Well, Sahith is thirty seventh, so we're going to have to. And I, I know right, that but he but he just hasn't. He just, he just has year one year. He hasn't been all in. He hasn't been in all the majors. So he hasn't been you able wanna, to prove the. Want to know? I can give you a note on this. You want to know? Please. Yeah. Uh, so I asked Sahith last week, "Have you ever met Davis Love?" And he goes, "Actually, this week." And he goes, "So when it was completely unofficial, he goes, I was walking in the media center. He was walking out. He stopped. He said hello. That that actually caught Sahith off guard. 
And then as he was walking away, Davis said to him, I'm looking forward to seeing you in a red shirt. So how about that? Hmm. Huh? How about that for a note? So in other words, if he wins this week, he's going to be on the team. If he wins, I the team, not the team. The team is finalized. The team is finalized. I believe the Tuesday after Philly off at eleven thirty-seven. Not like I, I love Sahib, but I, I just don't see that happening. Boy, if if Billy gets passed over again, no. I mean, I mean, twenty twenty fourteen. They had to change the rules because of him because he got so hot uh, in the FedEx Cup playoffs. But the team had already been determined. I think a, a case could have been made for him certainly uh, in twenty eighteen. You weren't going to leave Tiger off that squad, but either. Phil or Bryson, when you look at the golf course, like, yeah, either a Billy or a Kevin Kisner would have been a better fit for Le Golf uh, National. If Billy gets passed over again because Sahith wins at the 11th hour, oh, prayers for my band, Billy Ho. Prayers up. Here's the it, deal. Be- it doesn't matter. Like, I have never felt so bad for another human being in my entire life than I do for Trevor Allen. As the captain of the international team this year, I cannot imagine what goes through is it. There's Tito, by the way. Tito. Tito is also extending his sympathies. I cannot imagine how difficult that job has been for him, given the idea that all he has to do is to try to put together the best team he he has, and you don't know what that team's going to look like. I mean, it's, it's, it's Cameron Smith, Hideki Matsuyama, Joaquin Neiman, Mito Pereira, Sebastian Munoz, those are all guys who have either been linked, rumored, uh, in the case of Cameron Smith, has, has literally been re- reported to have signed. And so uh, I don't even think Trevor Immelman knows for sure what his team is going to look like when they suit up uh, on, on September 23rd, which is why I think he probably has the ability to get more creative uh, with how he he rounds out his roster now, like you're going to have to go pretty far down the list. But like Emiliano Grio, who is 24th on the list, has played pretty well of late. He's super inconsistent. Uh, he hasn't won on the PGA Tour uh, in a couple of years. However, he's he's played better of late than say a, a Jonathan Vegas, who is a, a couple of spots ahead of him, or a Christian Bezaden, who like they they do it based. Uh, on on the world ranking with with how they uh, formulate their team like he has an opportunity to get creative uh, uh, unfortunately it's going to be because he has some some notable absences to fill uh and he can and i think like this was the conversation last week among some of the players that i talked to that maybe getting creative is not a bad idea maybe given the idea that this international team has not done great in this event we can we can all agree on that that maybe thinking outside the box is probably a very good thing like look adam scott's going going to be on this team and you're going to have some veterans on that team however maybe you're going to look forward to to you know getting tom kim getting a a tom kim's fifth tom kim's fifth a lot of people hadn't even heard of him until like two months ago now tom kim is fifth now it's based on the world ranking uh, he's I mean, he's out of Dylan Fratelli would be another one that immediately comes to mind. Like, look, it, would, would I want to build a team based around these players, based on their resumes? Probably not. But what you've been doing isn't working very well. So maybe thinking outside the box is exactly what you need. Like Taylor Pendrith, Canadian player, big hitter, 21st in the standings. If Taylor Pendrith, uh, who had to miss, I believe, three or four months uh, because of an injury, 
earlier this season is not on that international team. I think that's a, I think that's a, 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 an omission. I think that's, I think that's a mistake. I would rather have a Taylor Pendrith who has flashed in a big way this summer in the limited action. We have seen him more than an Anurban Lahiri who, who really hasn't played well since the players championship or Lucas Herbert, who has also been uh, rumored to be going to, to live golf. Like Cam Davis has played great of late. He's 20th. Taylor Pendrith is 21st. Carl Yuan has played great on the corn Ferry tour. Like <laughs> it seems it's like, it's a sad state of affairs that you might have to dip down into the corn Ferry tour to fill out your roster. But like, you could probably do worse. Like good play is good play. doesn't matter what tour it's on. It's, it's sad that, that, it, that, that Trevor has to think this way. Um, but, but I'm with you. If there's a year to take some chances and to, to find some specialists, like go for it. The quail hollow is a big ballpark. It suits a very particular, uh, style of player and game, like round out your team, get some, get some strategists, get some data, get some data guys, crunch the numbers and find the guys who, who give you uh, the best chance to win. And again, looking at the record, he doesn't have a lot to lose here. So go on a limb. I don't think anyone's going to turn around the week after the president's come and be like, I can't believe Trevor did that because yes. given the situation you're in, You've got more flexibility than probably any captain ever in the history of the president's cup. So take advantage of it. Like Trevor's actually in a, a decent position in that if he keeps it, I would say within two or three points, like of, of the final result, I think that's a massive win. It, w- it would be a, a testament to uh, his, his, his captainship that he would be able to keep what should be a lopsided result that close. Do you agree? I would agree. I, I hate doing that because these are professional golfers and you always want to be like, they're competitive. Like, look, I've always felt really, really bad for the Adam Scott's and, and even the guys who have now gone to lift. So the Ustazen's and the Schwartzels and these guys where they put so much into this and they've gotten nothing out of it. And I remember having this conversation once with Adam Scott with the idea being that look at what the Ryder cup did for Ian Poulter, where he has essentially defined his career on what he has done in this particular match none of the international players have ever had this opportunity and for better or worse, it's not going to happen anytime soon is the problem here. And I don't even think like, I, I don't even think it has to do with the level of talent because my guess is if you did this week in and week out for an entire year, that the U S team and the international team are pretty much going to split the year. I don't believe that that the U S team is going to win every single week. However, if you look at the history of the matches, it hasn't gone that way. And, and again, if these players somehow don't leave until after the President's Cup, like the international squads, like pretty nice. Like Cam Smith and Hideki with Sungjae leading the way is really good. Joaquin Neiman uh, has kind of slowed a little bit since since the Riviera win in, in February, but obviously he's a he's a mega talent and super young. Tom Kim. Uh, has come on like Corey Connors, Adam Scott, Mito, like all those guys have have flashed at times this season. It wouldn't be, you know, the greatest upset in the history of golf if the international team, as it currently stands right now, were to win. But if you lose some of those guys, yeah, it's just a, it would it would certainly be an unfortunate situation. One one thing that I wanted to wrap up on, Rex, do you think we'll ever see a day where the PGA Tour fields its team of twelve? Liv fields its team of 12 and they duke it out Ryder cup style. I mean, we spent 40 minutes talking about 
<laughs> how we come to some sort of detente in DOS. So yes, I guess I do see it a day. I, I don't know how we get there. And you and I both have admitted that we have no idea what that might look like. But yeah, I, I guess it, it would have look- to it would have to replace the president's cup. Um, yeah, probably. And I, I don't know, like, it's a very weird landscape right now where it became very personal two weeks ago or last week. Yeah, there's like, wait, there's way too much animus for like this to start in 2024. Yeah, I, I just don't know. Like, right now is probably not the time to, to pitch this to Rory. Like, do you like the idea of doing this? Like, no, he's probably not going to be crazy about the idea. But yeah, five, 10 years from now where we've come to some sort of understanding and both can coexist and, Oh yeah, maybe we have this, you know, tournament once a year where our players go against your players. Yeah. I could see that happening. Phil could finally get the captaincy. That is uh, most certainly not going to be coming his way uh, for team USA. Rex, what's on the grill this week? Uh, I'm home. I don't know what I'll be able to grill. I, I, I did want to do. Uh, what happens? Do you, do, you, do you sprain your wrist? Are you unable to use tongs? Uh, no, just got a lot going on. We got football season starting. I've got a senior in high school. And so Friday night is pretty much taken out of the mix, but Saturday, I think I'm going to do a pork butt because, uh, we, we got some football games going on. we got some preseason. I got to admit, I'm more interested in this preseason probably has to do with fantasy golf, but I'm more interested in this preseason than I ever have, have been in my life. Why do you, why do you think that is? Are you, are you, uh, doing, are, you, are, you are you, are you breaking down tape? Why are you saying fantasy golf? It's fantasy football. I'm sorry. Fantasy football. Yes. This is how this is how we ran into the issue with, with the Cameron Smith, Cameron Young that they're probably gonna have to edit. Fantasy, uh, fantasy, fantasy football. Fantasy is, football. Is, is I don't want to come in last. I, I, I don't. I, I don't want to be the worst in the league. So I'm studying. I'm, I'm reading. I'm doing a lot of things that I normally probably wouldn't do. When's your When's your When's your draft? Uh, I've scheduled the draft for Saturday. This Saturday? Yeah. Oh, that's a that's a gigantic mistake. How are you uh, gonna? How are you gonna I, have a draft of players before the third preseason game, which is where the starters actually play? I agree with you. I was pressured into this by the rest of the league as commissioner, president, and CEO. Aren't these I family was, members? Uh, it is some family members. It's a lot of friends. It's uh, it's me and one other dad and then some kids. I, I mean, I'm gonna have to voice my opinion here that that the draft needs to be moved back. Anyone who drafts early is is just negligent of the facts there's injuries there are depth charts like you have to do it so this me me personally it's always labor day week so the first nfl game is always that thursday uh following following labor that's september 8th you have my middle son's phone call him and tell him this because he's been insistent that we need to do this sooner rather than later absolutely not the exact opposite in fact one year it, the NFL season started on Thursday. We did our draft at 9 p.m. the Wednesday before. We <laughs> had all of the available disposable information. Or, excuse, we had all the information at our disposal. We could make informed decisions. We knew who was hurt. We knew how long they were out. We knew what the depth charts looked like. You have to do it. It's, it's, it's irresponsible to draft early, unless you're one of like, the psychos who wants to like, reward themselves for doing um, you know, training camp tape breakdowns uh i got some college kids i've got a lot of a lot of balls in the air when it comes to this group so i'm just trying to get them all together at one time and it seems like this saturday is the time that's going to happen wow pork butt uh fantasy football draft i'm I'm sure i will be kept in the loop on on who you're drafting uh being the savant 
that I am in regards to fantasy football. And of course, Rex, of course, you didn't even mention it. The third round uh, of the BMW Championship at beautiful Wilmington Country Club. It is going to be airing, of course, on Golf Channel uh, and NBC. Make sure to read all my reports on golfchannel.com. We'll catch you next week. Rex and I'll be doing this Golf Central podcast presented by Callaway Golf live and in person from Atlanta. We'll be together at the Tour Championship uh, recapping and putting a bow on a season uh, unlike any other in PJ Tour history. But thank you guys for listening to this edition of the Golf Central podcast presented by Callaway Golf. We'll talk to you guys next week.